0: Hey everybody! It's Drew. It's Blake, and you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoky Controllers podcast.
1: everybody, welcome to episode 48. Uh, real quick, I'm going to shoot through our social media preamble, and then we'll uh, jump right to it. Uh, welcome to episode 48. Uh, real quick, I'm going to shoot through our uh, social media preamble. Uh, you can find us you know, on all the usual places. Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Twitter, and more recently, uh, Discord, uh, Patreon, and Spotify. But Spotify also has something kind of cool. Well, Drew also does every time we do a ba- or do a song rather he uh, adds the song to our Spotify playlist mm-hmm. and which we're gonna be adding one extra song to it today
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you can also email us uh, questions comments and you know
0: you can just say you guys suck I'm
1: fine with that
2: yeah
0: you know that's at two uh, two smoking controllers at gmail.com with the, the number two
2: mm-hmm.
0: and if you
1: can't mm-hmm. find us uh, drew does post links to everything in the show notes Mm -hmm. so with that out of the way are you ready we're we're actually going to do it's going to be a long game today or Mm -hmm. it has a lot to talk about so we're just going to be doing one game
0: today one game in one band and uh believe it or not we've uh talked down on this genre of game uh quite a bit throughout the podcast history we've played other games of this genre but this uh game actually hooked us and we played uh both played the game all the way through to a platinum trophy so yeah um so this game we'll get into it here in just a second because blake's gonna go to the developer of course but uh you'll be surprised to hear the genre of game this is you can go ahead with the developer and everything right first and What's foremost the name of the game, yeah first and foremost the name of the game
1: is 13 sentinels aegis rim <laughs> It, uh, originally came out in Japan November 2019 and uh, as of September 2020 it has been released worldwide and I think you can I think it's only on PlayStation PS4 you go, to, go, to, go to switch it, uh, it, I think they might be working on it but as of now last time I looked at it see, I didn't only see it. only on ps4 yeah as of right now but I'm sure it'll be on switch in like a month
0: yeah I don't I'm seen uh I forgot to ask about this when you were playing it because uh, I played not bragging but i played it on the because it was just a game fly disc i played it on ps5 and you played on ps4 pro when you loaded your game did it load instantly or was there like a load screen there was a load screen but not a very none of them are very long when i hit load like literally when i go to load my game like the title screen i hit load game it just goes whoop and I'm right, right where I, right where I was standing when I saved. Like it's, it's it was instant. I was wondering if that was the PS5 okay. or if that's just the game loading super fast in general. I never did. Well, I, I never stopped mid chapter, so I never loaded straight into a chapter. It took me straight a to couple the. Couple of times I, was, I, I did, but e- e- either regardless, it would load right into the character selecting. Like, like it would just kind of like it started in the center and kind of, kind of like a screen transition, just kind of, bu- kind of bubbled out. And it was, oh yeah, kind of faded in or faded. Yeah, I, forget it, 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 term, yeah. I forget the term. Yeah, forget the term. Yeah, uh, but a transition right into the game. There was no, no, nothing. nothing Popped up, said loading or anything. I was wondering if that was just the benefits of a. It went straight into whatever screen I was on. Okay, so one on the, of a, the three. So even even on a pro, it was kind of fast. Yeah. That could just be okay. Okay, I, I just wondering because I haven't played too many games with a, uh, even with the Series X and the PS Five. I haven't really got to play too many games or notice too many games with incredibly fast, uh, loading yet. I mean, it, maybe I'm just getting used to it. I, I don't know. And before too long, those one or two seconds, if like, I, oh, it's one or two seconds. Oh. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay, I was just wondering if that, if that was any different. I forgot to mention that. I forgot to even mention that off podcast because it kind of was like loading so fast. But that could also be due to the, the lack of mechanics in the game, which, yeah, they weren't which, which, pushing we'll, get, which we'll get into. But I, I just wanted to ask that before I forgot about it, but go ahead. That's fine. And uh, the so the developer
1: is VanillaWare. Based out of Osaka, Japan. And they've made eight games. And they're sitting at 29 employees. So they're a pretty small company. But this is a thing I want to delve into. uh, Because they actually have kind of a cool thing that happens to them. Not cool, it's kind of crappy. But then just to show they, they persevere, it's actually pretty cool. So originally... Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to focus on the director and the founder of VanillaWare. A gentleman named George Kami Does
0: he, he direct all the... He's directed, he's all, directed every, every single every release. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool.
1: He's directed everything. Oh, I, it's Kamitani. My bad. I, I got... My, my brain got stuck on the Kamiami. But it's uh, George Kamitami. Now, he's had a pretty extensive career coming back all the way from the 80s where he originally worked... No one knows the name of his first company. It was very small time and very independent, and was apparently immediately absorbed by Capcom. So he's worked for Capcom for a very long time, primarily as an artist, pixel artist, and designer.
0: Vanillaware has no relationship with Capcom, do they? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't think so.
1: But I'll get into that here momentarily, because he, he was pretty big, and he worked on a few games. Uh, Saturday Night Slam Masters and Dungeons and & Dragons Tower of Doom. Those were when he worked for... It was mostly through the 80s. Yeah. And then he eventually became a, a freelance artist where he was just like, hey, wherever you need me, I'm your man. There's a lot of that, probably. Yeah, and he got uh, brought on to uh, to Atlas. He, he got brought into Atlas. And they had had a game called Princess Crown, which was a, a life simulator, I guess, like a dating sim, whatever it is. It's just called a life simulation game. And he got brought in to direct their second one, Princess Crown 2. Mm-hmm. And he decided, he's like, hey, this would be cool as an action role-playing game instead of just a live sim. You have all these cool characters and awesome art. Let's do this. And they're like, you know what? I like that idea. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And so he, because uh, it was going to be the, they're like a launch title uh, for the Sega Saturn. And they wanted to get really, <clears throat> give him some oomph. And so he changed it to, The action combat action style to be more appeasing to Sega because they were kind of known for their action beat em ups at the time. Just action, 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 Sonic Sonic people. And so it was an action, you know, action RPG type thing. And apparently it was a commercial failure. Wow. It was so bad. The game was bad or it just didn't hit? It just didn't hit. It was a. uh, Because apparently it's since become a cult classic.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And people. Complain about like now, th- now, this isn't a vanilla Ware. This no, is no, not no. a vanilla it, This was Atlas, the say branch, or Atlas
0: Kansai. Okay. Canse. I don't yeah. know how to pronounce it properly. Yeah, these big companies like Atlas, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, but any of these big names, you, you see Atlas publishing a lot of things. All these big companies, if they develop in house, they have subsidiaries with weird little offshoot names. And that's what this was. It
1: was Atlas. Kansai, K-A-N-S-A-I, mm-hmm. Kansai, Kansai,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and th- it was such a commercial failure, they shut down the Kansai branch, and they, as far as I can tell, they've never opened it back up. They're like, nope, failure, and they blacklisted him and his entire team. God. They said it was his fault, because the first game was successful, and that's, it was his not. fault because he decided to turn it into an action RPG to that's a strange, piece. strange, because aren't most Vanillaware games published by Atlas? I think now, because he had to, he was they were his entire team was blacklisted, and they're That's like crazy. you were never working the gaming industry again. Almost
0: certain, most vanillaware games, you know, all the PS2 ones, everything yeah. were, were published by Atlas. I so mean, um, he must have repaired the relationship, or or you got you got more you got more to go. Yeah, I guess. there's a little bit more,
1: because after being completely blacklisted by the intended, not by the intended by the industry, I don't know where I said the word intended from, um there was a, a sequel planned for princess crown that was also canned for the dreamcast mm-hmm. and they are like they just completely because it was such a, certainly it's so bad they just completely abandoned princess crown mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because one of their first game, and well, actually not first games one of their redemptive games one of the eight games they made was they already took all the work all the story for princess crown uh, three at this point it'd be three, because well, two was never made. two was made, because you had Princess Crown One, which was life simulator. Princess Crown Two, which was the one he made,
0: which was a commercial failure. Okay, I was confused because I thought he did the first. Now he was working on the first game and just and then made made the first game into an action. So there was a whole different. I thought he worked on Princess Crown One. No, no, it was Princess Crown Two. Okay, you might have. I'm okay. I'm, well, it, technically,
1: I'm, it it was called okay. Well, I'm getting confused. It was called Princess Maker: The Life Simulator, and then the sequel they changed the name to Princess Crown. Okay, I don't. So think, there was I, never don't a, I don't think you said that in the beginning. I got you. No. Yeah, my bad. I my brain was working faster than my words, and so when there was a sequel, the Princess Crown Two that was going to be for the Dreamcast, it was completely canceled. But they still had all the ideas, mm-hmm. and that would later, with a name change, become Dragon's Crown. Really? They took they they had all the notes and like hey. Let's make that game we wanted to make. Yeah, And so they went and made Dragon's Crown with literally, apparently it was, everything was the same. Except mm-hmm. for they just changed one of the characters to not be the princess. And they used their own uh, original artwork and everything instead of what they were given. Yeah. But, and so that was pretty cool. And it goes on, like he was working at a bunch of stuff and he was trying to do freelance and all these people were like, because uh, he couldn't actually get a
0: job. So his only choice was freelancing. Especially back in the '80s '90s and early 2000s, if it uh, depends uh, when he when he did that, Atlas is still a big name today with Persona mm-hmm. and Shimagami and stuff like that and uh, Demon Souls. Atlas is still a very large name. But I feel like they were even bigger back it's, then. If, it uh, says if, if that a company like them would blacklist you, you. You wouldn't be able to get work. It says it happened in like '98. Yeah, especially Atlas, in, especially in Japan. I mean, you, you're you're just you're, you're wrecked. It says Which is he a real awful mean for Atlas to do to him, but in his team he yeah. probably worked real hard on that game. And it
1: says they were from ninety eight to two thousand and four. He, he was forced to do freelance work, and That's he crazy. he constantly tried to get other people in some of his team. He's like, hey, you know, if you need a team, we can do this. And sometimes they did it, sometimes they didn't. Mostly, it was just him. He but to
0: change his name or something.
1: hey I, well, maybe there's an honor thing. As far as I can tell he never did. He never tried to do any underhandish. Oh, my name is George Tanikami. Just changed, you know, he 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 was he stuck to his guns. And while he was doing all this stuff, he actually met a dude uh met a dude named uh Shinji Taki. Mm-hmm. And uh they were the, they became best friends. His buddy Shinji Taki worked at Square Enix and managed to get him hired on.
0: He worked at Square for a while.
1: He worked at, well. He worked at Enix, not Square Enix, but he worked at Enix Okay. before they did the. And he was the one of the core staff members on Fantasy Earth, the Ring of Dominion, later retitled Fantasy Earth Zero, which was a small project, and it grew. And with that, and heard that Enix mm-hmm, I've never heard of it either. But apparently, with that, he did so well, and they were such a group team that he, as well as George. The other guy, T- Shijitaki and another man, uh, uh Onashini, they formed their own gaming studio, which, mm. w- which was called uh, Puru Guru. Mm. It's a ugh, mouthful. And they ran for two years, 2002 to 2004, and then they got enough back. I don't know what games they made, but they got enough backing with that, and more people wanted to come work with him. Actually, he, was able, he made enough money during that name, to rehire all of his old people. Mm -hmm. And then they formed Vanillaware. So everyone that works at Vanillaware was original members that worked with him on the Princess Crown. They've Mm -hmm. grown since then. They're only 29 employees, but it's all the same people. He wanted to bring them back and do a name change, so now he's back making these games that people love. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because everyone that uh, Princess Crown... People dogged on it like it was a commercial failure. But since then, the the only thing people talk about that was great, was the art direction and the story. Mm-hmm. Like the gameplay was, you know, it was, you know, it was whatever. But everyone just completely praises the artwork. Yeah.
0: VanillaWare. uh Blake will say a couple of games here in a minute, but VanillaWare is known primarily for art. If if anything else, oh, a yeah. gorgeous. Uh, 2D artwork. Hand hand drawn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to get to that.
1: All of their artwork is hand drawn. Mm -hmm. Like, even with computers and stuff, it's still first hand drawn, and then they use the computer to help finish some of the process. And it's just, it's awesome. And then he, uh, like I said, that's his whole rags to, I don't say wrenches, but rags to, he f- he stuck to his guns and he got to do what he yeah. wanted. Obviously, we uh, ages thirteen centos is brand new. VanillaWare is still around. Oh, brand spanking! Like I said, twenty twenty for worldwide, nineteen mm-hmm. for Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, they they earlier they've done eight games. Mm-hmm. A lot of them seem to be sequels to one another, mm-hmm. but they've done a lot of stuff. Uh, Odin Sphere mm-hmm. and
0: a bunch of things. When they re released, I, I put it on the on the GameFly. They did a re release. Odin Sphere is a PS two game, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they re-released Odin Sphere with a with a weird title on the end of it I couldn't pronounce on, on the PS4. Starts with an L. I couldn't pronounce it.
1: I don't know. That didn't ring a bell for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's it's on there. It's been... Re- Odin Sphere's been re-released. Uh, we have... Dragon's Crown was on the PS4. We actually uh, bought that because it came with a steelbook and they never played the game. I got a bad habit of that. So you might see some other VanillaWare games come across the podcast as we get to get to one game flyer actually may, might pop Odin Sphere F- or Dragon's Crown into a console here at the house. Yeah. What, we, what's besides Odin what are the other ones besides Odin Sphere, Sphere they Dragon's
1: have uh, Odin Sphere Dragon's Crown which we also have a still for that we have the pro version. That, yeah. I know. I was just my brain wanted to say that again for some reason. And then the, another thing was a uh, like they reinvented or revitalized a, a character named uh Muramasa, the Demon Blade, and the the uh, they revitalized it on the on the Wii and the PlayStation Vita in two thousand and nine. And anything about that. Yeah, it's just a side scroll beat beat 'em up like you per usual fight 'em system. But like I said, he, he's so they they've come a long way, and they, from what I can tell, they're gonna stay around, mm. and I don't think they're gonna change their art style either because people have, seem to love you it. See if
0: they've. Uh... You see, it's, it's kind of early, but have you seen if they've announced anything post-13 uh, post, Sentinels? I have not. What was the time frame between Dragon's Crown and Aegis Rim?
1: Uh, Dragon's Crown was 2013. So, what's that, f- six years? God, that's a lot of time. It says, yeah, 2013, PlayStation, Vita, and that was on everywhere... And then in 2018, they released the Pro version. So maybe they were working on the Pro version, which was a full-blown console mm-hmm. PlayStation. And then they went on to do the Aegis Rim. And I don't know if they're working on anything as of now, but I'm sure I can we'll figure it out before the end of the episode. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. Just, you know, I like talking about the behind-the-scenes stuff with some of these developers and what they go through, and they just they keep with it and yeah. you know and the fact the fact that he was blacklisted mm-hmm. from uh, what I say from 98 to 2004 no he was not allowed to be hired The yeah. Atlas had some pull
0: talking about uh developers real quick I wanna plug something that I listened to recently on uh audible the books are the, audible, the books already sold plenty of copies so it's not gonna it's not gonna do the guy any favors but uh I uh, recently listened. To, we listened to other podcasts, of course, and this guy, uh, Jason Schreier, was on a podcast. You may already know who he is. He's he does a lot of. Uh, he's a journalist and does has done a lot of tons of game journalism, but he's written two books about the what it's like behind the scenes in the video game industry. And I uh, recently I listened to um, his first book called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels uh and it was uh if you're, if you're into this kind of stuff about the industry and stuff like that it was an incredibly interesting and like in some of the interesting book and then some of the stories are crazy harrowing and just wild stuff you wouldn't believe about about the game about games that have struggled like you wouldn't believe that uh the big one of the bigger things on there is how much destiny destiny struggled to even make it to come out and then to maintain what it's done and stuff like that but there's a whole list of games and stories he goes through he's talked to developers and gathers information and it's told the book is told very well it's uh incredibly interesting i thought and uh if you do the audible version he said uh, it's narrated by ray chase and i'm pretty sure he said on that podcast that ray trace was the voice of uh, Noctis in Final Fantasy Fifteen. Oh, really? That's <laughs> yes, cool. the, you can't tell it because he speaks in a normal yeah. voice. Noctis was kind of broody. Uh, but it's Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Uh, I have no attachment to Jason Schreier or anything like that uh, or anything like any that. as a podcast. But uh, it's a uh, if you like the way we talk about the, the uh, industry and the, the companies on the front end, you'll love this book, and it may uh, change how you think about... Uh, How video games are good or bad, or what it takes to make a video game, and then he has one more uh, a 2020. That's a 2017 book. He's got another one that just came out this year uh, called Press Reset, which I haven't got a chance to hear yet. But I'm looking very for probably the next thing I buy on a we get Amazon credits, whatever for Audible. Might be the next thing I buy on Audible because I want to hear the rest of these stories he has. So sorry to cut that in there, but it fits perfectly into that uh, kind of long version of a little intro you had there for the company.
1: Yeah, and I'll probably dip in and out of it a little bit more as we hit all of our, you know, talking about the, the artwork and the music because they had to do some other things when we get to those. Yeah. Uh, so now that we, I've gushed all over Vanillaware, we're going disc- to we'll talk about the what type of game it is and stuff like that. You want to yeah. carry this one? I us
0: say we gushed over a company of... Uh, This is the first game we've had of theirs that we've ever played all the way through, and now I I kind of I I, I kind of want to go back to their library. And all their games, we will say, all their games are different, as far as I know. They don't all play like not every game is what Thirteen Sentinels is and Dragon's Crown. Dragon's Crown is like a side-scrolling kind of beat 'em up. They are, excuse me, they are all two D. It's just because it's the style they do, and I think. I think Odin Sphere is a like a side-scrolling, like action platforming RPG kind of. Maybe maybe it's yeah. almost like what what they intended Princess Crown to be back then. Possibly. Um. Anyway, so we kind of, I'll say, raving about the company. The company is interesting, very interesting. But Thirteen Sentinels is the first game of theirs that we've played all the way through. But I enjoyed it enough that I will yeah. try to go back. So, uh, here's the weird part of what uh, Thirteen Sentinels is. Um. Thirteen Sentinels is entirely a, uh, well, 90, say like 80% visual novel. Uh, where you just walk around and you just talk to people. That's all you do for the vast majority of the game. And then there is another part. There is a combat side of the game which you, ha- which you have to take part of. When you first started playing, I thought they were going to make it kind of optional. But as you play through the story, it does. You do have to play the uh, combat side to completion. And... Um, the combat is another uh, is is a mix of kind of term based and an, and another genre we we do not like either RT. It's kind of a mix of term based RTS in a way, but I think it's term based enough. It's almost uh, actually we talked about yeah, it. It's more ATB a- RTS. Yeah, ATB active time battle, which is a thing that uh, uh Square Square invented with a early Final Fantasies and most popular popularized by I think Final Fantasy 7 where a bar fills up that's controlled by your speed mm-hmm. and the, and the bar, when the bar fills up you get to attack they kind of actually yeah I say it, it looks like an RTS but it plays like an ATB like the characters pictures fill up and then they get to do an attack uh, we'll get into what the uh, the combat what the combat is as we try to explain uh, this rather confusing game because I'll say here that 13 sentinels is the name of the game that's because there's there's actually more than 13 sentinels uh, talked about in the game I think there's up, upwards of 20 yeah actual sentinels if you don't know what sentinel is is a just a big old robot it's it's, it's a, like a, a mech a big old it's a mech thing uh, so that mean the 13 we talk about is there's 13 different characters. With uh, intertwining stories. Uh, those stories intertwine through time, I guess you could say. We're going to have to get a little bit um, uh, spoiler. There's a pretty good chance we're going to get spoilery while we talk about this because it's just the nature of the game because the game is, is so much about the story and uh, what's happening with these different characters and stuff like that. I don't know how deep we're going to go into it. And we agreed before we got on podcast that we're not going to lay out the names of the 13 characters on the front of this podcast. It's too many characters. It would be too too confusing and you're not going to remember none of the names anyway. We may mention a name of a character when we talk about a specific scene and and what we thought about that character then. And we may forget some characters. There is a character we want to mention, I think, specifically for how useless he was. About two of them. uh, Because it... Yeah, it turns out one there's one that's completely useless, and one that seems interesting until you play his part, and then he's actually worthless, uh, which is very strange. But you're dealing with these characters as they they're all confused. They're all trying to find out kind of, some of them are trying to figure out who they are, uh, why they are, why they are, where they are. Yeah, and then. It's confusing enough just in the beginning when they're all kind of – because it's, uh, it's a bunch of high school kids. It's confusing enough when they're just in high school, and then you start getting uh, – some of them start traveling through time and other stuff like that or start meeting – they don't – do they meet other versions of themselves? I can't remember if they meet other Not versions.
1: usually because there's a reason why. They so they, you
0: meet – so you have a character – you have characters who time travel, quote, unquote. I don't know how, how much we want to go into that because time travel is a mess. And then you have characters who have a regular version of themselves, And then you have characters who run into that character, but then that character is an Android version of that character you already met. So it's actually, you see, you'll see scenes of a character and you're wondering like, is this the human version of this character or is this the Android version of this character? What time period is this character from? Now is this the Android from the past or the Android from the future? Or is this the human from the past or the human traveling from to the future. The future. <laughs> yeah. So if that, any of that means anything to you or sounds interesting at all, I suggest you, uh, go play this game. <laughs> yeah. Maybe before you listen all the way through this podcast, it's a very, very complicated thing that, a uh, state I will say from in the beginning, it stays relatively, uh, it actually extremely interesting probably till because they're kind of we, we say chapters in a way there's no, there, no nothing ever says chapter in the game no. but you kind of play the characters uh characters are locked behind how because there's a character select screen and characters are locked behind you play a character to a certain point and then they can't go any further until you experience an event or quote unquote chapter of another character so the story locks together and it intertwines together. So
1: that yeah, so that you can't spoil the game by going, you know what, I'm just going to play this character 100%, this character 100%. No, it makes you kind yeah, to ma- bounce around. It makes
0: you bounce around and puts things together. But I say that majority majority of this game is is actually really interesting, and very good. I think it gets a little maybe too wonky and a little bit boring around the 80% mark. Yeah, well, I think a lot of characters what's happening is Uh, the game somewhat rushes the ending a little bit. The actual ending ending I think is good. When you beat the game and you get a final ending, I think that's good. But the 80% to 100 mark, what that tends to be for a lot of the characters is what everybody's kind of trying to do is there's a big world ending event, Mm -hmm. uh, which is they have these other alien, which we we can't get into that, these alien kaiju things. That are coming to just destroy the world.
1: They're either called Kaiju. Or I think that's their slang term. I think the technical term
0: was Deimos. Yeah, Deimos aliens or Kaiju. They're big big old machines too. So what the thing is, is these these 13 kids were selected in the future, I guess, to be pilots. So people go in the past to try to find the kids. So the funny thing about saying it, saying it this way is what I'm saying is wrong yes this is the best way to explain it in the beginning I know I'm hurting your head already but this is the way the game is laid out to you in the beginning but part of what I'm saying is wrong now am I me now or am I me from the future trying to tell you about this game his eyes are glowing
1: right now guys he might be one of the androids (laughs) I'm not (coughs) He's human. he's human. He's the human version from the present right now.
0: <sighs> so what's sorry? the ending, the end event is they're trying to get these select select kids to be the pilots of the sentinels to save the world. So the last and the, the last eighty to one hundred percent of a lot of their stories is a rapidly rapidly rushed event leading up to when the d- day, I guess you want to call it, of when the of when the the Deimos invasion when the D Day Dimos invasion shows up so their last their final stories I feel like are very rushed and rambit and uh, rapid and just like get him get him in the sentinel and every everybody's final event is the final event before the end of the game because it's all leading up all you got to get all thirteen characters to hundred percent and then you play the whole the whole final end of the whole final end of the game well
1: the other thing is. You can, he was talking about, you can only play certain characters to a certain point in their story before it says this character is locked behind this other character's event Yeah. or chapter. And so there are two characters. Who are locked at the beginning, like you do, like their prologues, yeah. and then they are locked behind. Oh, get ten characters to eighty percent. Get nine characters to eighty percent of their stories. Yeah. So you basically bounce around through everyone else's stories, get yeah. them to like eighty percent or even a hundred. Actually, I'm not even sure if you can get all of them to the hundred percent of their story without coming back and doing these two. Yeah, and those two, they're
0: fine characters, but their overall point to the story. They're more. Because they seem super. They're, they end up, sorry, they end up more interesting because all characters are intertwined. When they when they have, I feel like now you correct me. We got to go back to how how you play this game here in a second. Yeah, we're getting too excited about this crazy crazy game. Those two characters seem more important and more interesting when they're in other people's stories. Exactly. Do you agree on that? For both definitely, characters? definitely one of them. He's super mysterious. Him especially. Yeah. That's the character, the super mysterious guy. uh I'm gonna say a name here it's okay if you forget it a super mysterious character is a Rinya Goto he appears in everybody's story he's very mysterious and has all the knowledge he's he he somehow knows everything Uh, he is a the oldest of the he's in the highest grade of of, of high school he's the oldest kid he's old enough that I thought he was just an adult hanging around all the time yeah Uh, but they all they're all and the girls fawn over him and stuff like that whatever but he's throughout the whole he's in everybody's storylines he shows up in weird places uh he clearly time travels whenever he wants to quote unquote time travels whenever he wants to and then like you said you get to the all other characters whatever like 8 10 12 11 characters to 80 or 100 percent and you finally get to play past his prologue and it's a complete and total letdown yeah everything when you play his parts and his parts are like a. His parts are so weird and so lame that there's parts of his story that don't even talk about him. They use his, they use his thing. We we talk. uh well, yeah. They use his whole thing. It's like exposition. Yeah, it's it's literally. been explaining what kind of what what's been going on. Some events are his and some events he's around, but a lot of it is just or he, explaining. He everything. has
1: rescued another character and that person is like, "Why did you rescue?" me? He's like, "You know why I rescued you? Rescued me because." Blah blah blah. Exposition. And you're just kind of like, it's, it's, it, it's, it's just I, I I think it's a, f- I get why they did it, I, because it's a at the very end, it's just a it's a it's a tying of the knot. It's a like in case you don't know, you you have you can't f- it's so that you don't have to assume anything. Instead of it's really hand handholdy.
0: And I, I kind of the last part. His whole thing was was so boring because at the end of the game, where everything everybody else is like jumping in androids and stuff, and you gotta you gotta you, you gotta, gotta go all the way back his entire story and play his from the beginning and play it all. I mean, we I played it all back to back because when you finally unlock his, you can play it all the way. I think to a hundred, mm-hmm. maybe or maybe it stops again. To a... So, hope you're confused. Yeah. After all this, we got to go back in time. And tell you how this game is played. You want to take over there for a minute, boy? I can, yeah. So we've spoken about uh, the time travel a little bit,
1: and we've spoken about the uh, the uh, the best way to describe it is a non-linear narrative.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very best way for me to describe it is if if anybody enjoyed the movie, which I've spoken about on the podcast, Arrival. Yeah. Which talks about a set of aliens that experience time differently. They they experience it cyclically
0: instead of linearly. That's spoiling Arrival. Yeah, but by now. If you can't Arrival, whoops. That's a big spoiler for Arrival, actually.
1: That's a huge spoiler for Arrival. But I, didn't, I didn't say anything. I just said these aliens experience time differently. That's the big
0: spoiler of Arrival. <laughs> He's when gonna... they figure
1: that out, it's huge. Mm. But so, daisy and this like i said with this story being its non-linear narrative and basically take every and i mean every single sci-fi trope
0: yeah. them, i don't care which one you're going to throw at me
1: all of them yeah
0: the few reviews i read about this talk about that this game this game's got pretty pretty stellar reviews actually mm-hmm. and a lot of folks talk about how the, uh, good the writing is and they're just like you think Anything sci-fi you've thought about or seen or read or whatever, Thirteen Sentences is going to get it in there. It's everything. everything like like sci- we talked about,
1: like there's time travel. There's people who have they don't necessarily meet themselves from the there's future.
0: Androids. There's and- Android stories. There's uh, AI stories. Uh, there's memory wipe and memory
1: implantation. Stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that? Uh, Total Recall, basically. Yeah. And there's, it's just, and the ET. There's an ET moment. There's actually <laughs> a pretty solid. One of the characters has a pretty solid ET storyline where they find a little alien, alien robot named BJ. Yeah. So, and, which is still again ET BJ. It's. Yeah. And it, it, yeah.
0: Okay. So let's get to. We're getting too excited about these characters and the stories. Let's get do, to. Do the, you want to talk about the? Uh, we get to the general gameplay. Uh, When you first start the game, I think the first thing it does is go to a character select, but you only have one character to choose from. Yeah, you have. He's not the main character, but he's important. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to name each thing. I want to name each character. He's one that you see an adult version of, and blah blah blah, and time travel. His adult version is also a a wanted
1: criminal for mass murder (laughs) and crimes against the government.
0: you click on the first character, and you immediately go into. Uh, you get a cool character art introducing the character, mm-hmm. and you go into their uh, his his prologue, and you uh, and what you're doing. I um, Can't go into all of these, but his is you're standing in a classroom, and you start learning how to play. The game's kind of teaching you how to play, and you just basically it, it's you're talking to folks, and what you're trying to do it is. It, it is.
1: I was just about to say it is a graphic novel, yeah. but it's the most interactive graphic novel I've ever played, and I think that's another reason I wasn't just sitting there listening to him ramble on. I had to constantly, you know, talk to this person to continue the conversation, walk across the room and talk to this person. You're not
0: just standing, listening to people talk. You got to move around, interact with things, and learn stuff. It's kind of neat. We'll get in. I'm getting into that right now. So his his little his little prologue is is basically the introduction of how, how to play, uh, with uh, with also getting story across. So, uh, and, it, and another thing that makes it, I think, a little more interesting than your typical graphic novel is that it's not just text boxes at the bottom of the screen. The characters are talking to each other, and their subtitles are running above their head. I don't know if you can turn, you probably turn subtitles off, and there's no words at all, maybe. But we like subtitles, so their subtitles are just words uh, running above their head, and they kind of go up as they talk more, and they just kind of fade away. Yeah. It, it looks really neat, and uh, I will say, I'm going to get funny but the font and the way the words are written and stuff like that it, they don't look they don't pop they're not weird and out of place the way the color and the font it looks real natural to the to the art of the game so it never looks out of place but it just looks real clean and, and, it, and the way it fades up I, I, I love the way it looked and i'm glad it wasn't just two characters um doing text boxes. Yeah. Uh, the characters uh, do move and do different things and stuff like that uh, while, they're, while they're talking. So you get, you get a little bit of them doing stuff and moving around and whatever. You know how graphic novels kind of work. Uh, the game is 100% voice acted. Uh yes. it, almost, it basically had to be. I feel like there is no, you don't see, you don't read anything in this game that's not fully, that's, it's characters talking, they're all voiced I would say, uh, with the exception of one character, uh, incredibly voice acted the, the, the annoying friend who she's not one of the thirteen sentinels. Oh yeah, she, she has a really a high breathy, pith, little breathy, high pitched voice. Uh, I think the cast is is great actually. Mm-hmm. There's nobody in an anime game. This is an anime game, not based on an anime, but you know the anime art style that you get obnoxious voice actors throughout. Uh, But this cast is, I feel like this cast is great. There's a lot of uh, interesting voice actors. There's a lot of, uh, a few familiar ones uh, throughout. I forget uh, who exactly, but a couple of familiar ones. Yeah. Well, one with Crispin Freeman's in here, and he's been been in a lot of stuff. Um, No, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Blum or Bosch? Blum. No Blum.
1: That we're aware of. I mean, he could have been somebody.
0: Stephen Blum's voice is though he has some range you would know Stephen blum if you hear him so i thought that was weird there was no blum, blum in this now that i think about it anyway so what you're learning how to play is just walking around you're walking around the, the classroom talking to different students and stuff like that when you talk to people sometimes it'll say the screen will say a certain a certain key phrase was added to your thought cloud which is very interesting you have this cool feature called the thought cloud and it's it's a uh, it, it, it is what it, I said. It, it's important words that go to your thought cloud, and then you use those words on other people in the rooms or other characters. You use those words to uh, continue conversation. So you walk to somebody, and you hit X. And then uh, you, when you walk to somebody, it's good because if you can talk to them, their name appears above them, so you know you can talk to them. You hit X, and you start talking. Blah 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 blah. The only thing that does sometimes that I thought was strange, and I wish it didn't do. Was instead of sometimes conversations they'll talk they'll talk 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 and they'll just stop talking, and you have to hit X again, on and it, their name will pop up. Now sometimes it stops because it intends for you to use a thought cloud. Yeah. Which I'll, I'll get to in a second. Sometimes the game just stops. They, they just stop talking. You're like X, and it just and it, the conversation just keeps on going. Well, I think
1: because it, it's supposed to be. If, I think if you're paying attention, I think it's an ellipsis, a dot dot dot. I, I, what it might be you just don't see the dot 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 because it just kind of blends into the background
0: but I think that's what it might be in ellipses okay. sometimes maybe uh, so sometimes they'll you'll, they'll stop talking and the, the triangle will appear above their head and the triangle is telling you the triangle button is the thought cloud and you'll hit triangle and you'll it'll pop up your thought cloud now you can enter the thought cloud anytime it's really cool the thought Clouds an incredible tool that should be in every JRPG. I feel like the cool cool thing about the Thought Cloud is is a uh, every so he starts saying every person he meets somebody, and their name will appear in the Thought Cloud. He'll meet this person, so it does a lot of names at first, and then it gets to other other details like knife and other knife
1: other... blood splattered cloth glasses
0: yeah broken syringe anything can, anything that appears. the cool thing about the names. So when you're in the thought cloud and you highlight something, you say you forgot how to pronounce somebody's name. It's very cool. Every character does it. Is when your when you when your cursor touches something in the thought cloud, the person you're playing says says, says the item. Yeah, they, 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 it does that, that it's, like, go, it's like a it's like, like a an whistle, echoey thought, like an echoey thought inside their head. So, and uh, you can hit X when you're in the thought cloud, and he and your character shares. All the information, all the information that they know that you've gathered about that character in, in a couple of sentences. And it, and it updates throughout that their, that particular chapter. I think, nope, I was going to say I think the thought clouds reset, but they don't. The thought clouds keep adding depending on the character. Depending keeps, on that character. Depending on the character. Sometimes the thought clouds reset depending on the chapter you're in. But it's very interesting. If you pull up a character, especially in the beginning of the game for you know who anybody is, start you start, a, you start a, a chapter and you're like I don't kind of know what kind of know what's going on or you turn the game off and come back a few days later you just pop your thought cloud hit X and you're gonna tell you everything that you know about that person hit X on the next person and, and, it a, should and the trigger item. your own memory. It's a very interesting and I, I actually love the system but it will it helps you the game is kind of handholdy because the game wants you to keep going so you'll hit so a triangle will pop pop up above a person that you need to use the thought cloud on. You hit triangle, it automatically pulls a thought cloud up, and it'll uh, if you kind of scroll through your thought clouds, they all have X on them for just to, for you. But the one anything you can use on that character, a triangle automatically appears next to that item, and you hit triangle, and your character will ask them about that that information, and you use that to continue the conversation and learn more stuff and continue forward. It's really
1: awesome, and because of the whole pseudo sort of uh, like time travel of the nature is you sometimes will repeat a day
0: or what seems like you're repeating a day some characters repeat days uh, like the, the guy we're talking about right now I don't get to say his name it's no point he, one... he repeats the same day over and over again
1: later later yeah. later on yeah well no there's a one character who literally repeats he's stuck, he's stuck in a he's loop he's stuck yeah. in a time loop for like, he appears in a, a bunch of other stories but when you play his he's stuck in a time loop yeah. And that's actually a really cool, you know, yeah. story in and of itself, because it does this cool thing where each story is you may be playing th- again. You you probably play through the same day, but it does that whole like Groundhog Day or Edge of Tomorrow thing where you're, you'll you'll start in the classroom and you'll talk to the you know talk to these people, let, exit the classroom, and then you're immediately the story says you bump into this character. You talk to the
0: character, and it's like, oh right, into story. Sorry, well you forget about Thursday. I forget what you, what's the what's the other button you hit and it pulls up your your f- map select you pull up the flow chart the flow chart so your flow chart is very interesting as well your flow chart tells you everything you've done so it's 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 just squares like it's like dun, dun, it's like uh you start it's like whatever character starts in the classroom and if you learn stuff there's keywords attached to different directions you can take in somebody's story and it'll say it'll show uh, if, if you have the key if you have the key word It'll say somebody's name or this this person, if you learn this person's name, then you, you, you take that path when you talk to that character and it'll play out that chapter. And somewhere in that chapter, you learn something else. I Do you, do you learn for one character? Can you learn something that they need to know from another, another character? I don't, yes and
1: no, but only because say you have to experience uh one character's event, you experience that event with that character. Mm-hmm. And then, because you were there with that character, you now know that knowledge. So it's not like okay, you'll so be playing one character, learn something as that character, and the other character is nowhere to be followed, and they're no, they don't do that. Okay, the character so will be on site in their story. Here's an
0: example. Uh, the first character, I'm going to go ahead and say his name, Juro. Is the Juro Kurabe. First character. Sorry, I know we said, I'm going to say no name. So his is here, here's how this one plans out. You start in the classroom, and the main thing you're going to do when you first play is you're going to talk to his best friend, and you're going to end up... Sheba. Sheba. Leaving to just go find find another friend to go play video games, and you play out that version, and another character will walk up to you, and they'll they'll be like, "Hey, you didn't take the paperwork to our teacher. She, she it, it was your day, your day to take the the finished work." The yeah. T- teacher, because the teacher is a teacher, and then she's also the school, the school nurse. So she goes to do nursing, and one of the teacher, one of the kids, each day is dedicated to take the paperwork. So the f- so the first time you play, you have you have no choice. You talk to Sheba, and you leave, and but another character stops you, and she's like, "Oh, you didn't take the paper. It's your turn. Your turn to take the paperwork." So paper pops up in your thing, your thought cloud, In your thought cloud and your uh, flow chart. So yeah. you play out the whatever thing with Sheba, and you if you go back into Juro's story for your flow chart will say stack of papers. Now you can just talk to Shiba and the game won't stop you from playing out the same story. I recommend don't do that. It's no, not it's pointless. it's pointless. The game won't stop you from just talking to Sheba and playing out. And later in the game when you're trying to figure out which path to take, you'll accidentally I had some where I accidentally actually in story sometimes where I didn't know what to do and I would play out, but you can exit out actually. It lets you kind of bump back out to the title yeah. to the thing. But then you have the stack of papers. So, you talk to Sheba to a certain thing. Will you tell him that, hey man, I got to take these papers? Well, you peppers. go, well, you, you, you go touch, you go grab the papers first. She mm. was like, hey man, what, what are you doing? And Juro's like, sorry, I, I guess it's my day to take the papers. And she, and she was like, ah right, man, I'll catch you later. And he runs off to go find your other friends without you now. Yeah. So you grab that and you grab you grab that and you grab your always grabbing your backpack for some reason with you, Juro, yeah. and you leave. And instead of going where you went with Sheba. You go to the nurse's office and you experience an entirely different set of events. and you 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 gain some thought clouds, you pick up some items. Yeah, so that's a, a small example cloud. of how it changes and that and a lot of all of I think majority of all of Juro's things, he starts in that classroom, yeah, but you learn different things. and then you go to the uh, cafeteria the cafeteria sometimes you go to the nurse's office, even the nurse's office has. Cause you'll see it branches. You go to the nurse's office, and it'll branch into two two more branches. Yeah. Sometimes the teacher will be there. Sometimes she won't. Or sometimes there'll be a different. there will be a di- different, wholly different character. Imagine how complicated this game gets with thirteen characters. It does get vastly complicated. But the more you play it, again, it just. But the game wants you to move. Gets. Like it is. It's designed he- in a way that it just wants you to experience it. Like it wants you to just keep moving forward. And sometimes it was even because you're, you're over
1: here thinking you're like, what do I do? I've I've a perfect example with Juro. Juro, uh, you could have the papers, and you would leave the classroom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now your choice would be go to the prin uh, go to the the nurse's office, your teacher's office, or talk to this girl. And so you come mm-hmm. back, you do both, and you're like, what do I do now? I've talked to the girl. She didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I went to the principal's, uh, the nurse's office. And you just say, "You're like, what do I do?" And you just wait a second.
0: Exactly. I'm gonna say there's sometimes there's a timing thing.
1: And literally, you just wait there, walking back and forth this hallway. You're yeah. like, I don't know what to do. And, and another character. And was... out of nowhere, another character will come from the other side of the hallway, and they're like, "Hey,
0: hey, Juro, oh, there you are. Yeah, I've been and, looking for and you." Then you're, and then now in the flow chart, you're on a different path.
1: Yeah, it's it's very subtle. Yeah. Try everything, and like if you've tried we'll everything, wait sometimes waiting is 100 percent an option. Just wait. Yeah. Just wait. Because, like I said earlier, there's one, he's not my favorite character, but the character who's caught in the time loop, Mm -hmm. a lot of his, to figure it out more, is literally just waiting for the next train to show up to see what character gets off that train. He's
0: at a train station, and three trains come. Yeah. And different characters appear and disappear there. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal little, but the best way I could describe his,
1: if anyone's ever seen that movie, Source Code where it's the same like Except source code sucked well it's like the same 15 minutes repeating but every time you repeat it you're trying something new doing something else and learning more information I wonder, Is that, I
0: wonder if that was inspired by source code that's lame because source
1: code well source code was on a train or a bus station no it's source code was on a train yeah so I mean, who we knows, knows the same thing over sci-fi there. it's sci-fi trope they put it in the movie he yes found, it was he found one Yeah, he that, found. that's what I'm going to say that's exactly when he found a different sci-fi trope and gave it a trail of a whole couple of chapters dedicated to the movie. This repeating
0: source code. train thing. Oh man, that's funny.
1: And like I know it's very confusing, and we're not. Tr- we don't. I really, honestly, don't want to spoil the story for anybody because it's actually a really good story.
0: It's pretty cool. It's really of, fun. I mean, I mean, we're not even getting into the other uh, to the meat of the characters. Yeah, because they're all they all some know each other from different places. Some will travel somewhere and run into somebody they saw. They're like, yeah, I saw, you," because one of the, okay,
1: the their time travel thing, they have it, it's worked out, and the mechanic they use is you can only time travel in 40 year increments. I have mm-hmm. the years wrote down here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, You can tell the years, because it's, it's, you, know, you know the different time yeah. periods. Where, we you know,
1: have 1945, literally that 1945, at the very end of that particular 1945, uh, 1985, 2025, 2065, and then 2105 mm-hmm. is the five timelines we jump through.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the I will say the majority of the story and the characters takes place in the 85 window. Yeah. Every, that's high, like That high, seems to be the hub one where all the kids school, are in the high, high school. school.
0: In 85, yeah, they're all in the same high school.
1: But again, these kids in 85 are... And let's go to, let's check out this space saucer let's look at this telecommuni you know this hologram like they know what a dang uh, a hologram is it's just I don't know some of these kids are surprisingly intelligent
0: well it's because some of them aren't from you learn yeah they all seem normal at first in the 80s and you start figuring out who who they are some of them come from different time periods and, and they're just like stuck in the 80s because they can't figure out how to leave like you just they got accidentally teleported there. Yeah, but then and, and they just they just kind of work their way into the school, which nobody ever investigates where these kids show up from in the school. That yeah, because there, there's one character who literally
1: just shows up to school every day, goes to the cafeteria, eats food, and leaves, and people are just like,
2: huh? Yeah, <laughs> no one or, questions or even
0: notices who he is. That's why that's, that's one of the other useless character. The other useless character. He just yells, "I have money. Give me this food." And he gets the food. Like the, the, his, every... I got lost in his things a couple of times trying to figure out where to go. And what well, because his cause whole thing is... is
1: he is a hobo because he, he is from a different timeline and he has no money, no anything. And so he's kind of homeless and he just goes around collecting, you know, he's like, I need, I need, you know, whatever. I think it's like
0: th- two, 2,500 yen to buy this oh, food. That's like 400. You find a couple of yen coins on the ground. It... And then you go buy the food. So there's one of you buy the food in that that's ends the chapter. Yeah. And it's like, okay. So I don't know. I didn't like kids. He's the one that his story didn't really pan out. He's also the one, we'll go, and go into it now, who falls in love with a girl who is actually a guy dressing as a girl. Not sure why that's in the game. And the other that, that person, the guy who's dressed as a girl is somebody you don't play as, right? No. The, the, there's one. a list
1: of a few characters that are uh, super important to the story. So I forgot they're... to
0: mention, so I forgot to mention, there's the time travelers, robots, and all kinds of stuff, and then there's a get this character, particular character you don't play as, appears in different timelines. Sometimes he's dressed as a boy, and sometimes he's dressed as a girl. And it's very confusing to figure out. First, I didn't know it was the same person for a little while. Yeah. And you kind of... Well, I don't think you're supposed to. You're not supposed to know it's the same person, I guess. But you go in this whole. There's a whole. His the, the other guy who's who's in love falls in love with him. As a girl, finds out he's a boy and has this long winded like a lot of his storylines is him being confused or mad at himself that he still loves him. But then he's like really nice and still loves him anyway, even though he knows he's a guy. So this guy's like, I guess he's he's a big tough guy. And he's kind of struggling with his sexuality. I guess yeah. it's 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 handled very strangely and kind of doesn't. I don't know if it ever really. It, maybe it pans it out. It, it culminates in the ending, maybe. But it, his his and it's him. He's going and eating, or he's running to the school to get food. He's either look, looking for food, or he's looking to find her or him. So yeah, it's two things he's doing for eight nine chapters. But that
1: character is hugely important. Yeah, which is sure. we. I would much, in all honesty, I think I would have preferred to play as that character, play as him instead of versus uh, the guy. Yeah. F- e- the the wait. But he... Yeah.
0: Oh, he is a pilot, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're both pilots. Well, uh. yes and no, the... uh, what's his name? I, I don't want to, like... Hijiyama. Hijiyama. Yeah. He ends up... Because that character is hurt and can't pilot. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I need you to pilot my thing. He's like, but I'm not a pilot. He's like... Actually, you were. I programmed it to where I could pilot, but it's originally yours. Mm-hmm. He's like, really? And so he ends up, like, getting to pilot. Yeah. It's so confusing. I I, I hope that all this mystery and subterfuge is intriguing you to go, like, want to play this game and everything. Yeah. Because we've spent a lot of time on the story and how how well it's done. How, it's, it is hand-holdy, and I you get lost in it sometimes but there's also with the thought cloud you're able to keep up to date on if you ever like what am I do you re go through everything in your thought cloud it's voiced so it'll tell you and then you can get caught back up it's like a simple recap
0: do you want to go is there any more uh, we we got we got a little more time of course to go through any of your uh, like, a, like a favorite character any more of the particular storylines you'd say that have interesting points like you said the, the girl who has her little ET yeah so her ET thing is this a little robot guy that he and he kind of tells her who he is sort of but you find out you find out who he is way later in the game it's very crazy he's I don't want to spoil that yeah, he's to spoil a, he's it. attached to a whole other character but her whole her whole thing for a, for a while is he needs her help to they're jumping through time you played the her things. He, they're jumping through time because Sentinels can be launched into time. If they're in, like, chrono
1: circuit malfunctions or, or whatever, whatever it's Whatever it was.
0: So he's, he needs her help. He's time traveling. I don't forget why he needs her specifically, her help, and they're traveling through time looking for a lost Sentinel. I don't
1: necessarily think he needs her help. I think she volunteers it, E.T. style. Like, oh, you, you need to get home, buddy. I'll help you get home. Yeah. And so she's just she's doing that she's a good character there's no she's a fine character yeah but then I guess his they go well her 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 thing isn't days repeat it's every day they're like oh let's try this different timeline this different period he's explaining the whole thing to her and
0: mm-hmm. he, again that's a whole ET he's the th- first he's the first kind of clue I feel like that things are not quite what they seem because he calls the different time periods sectors yeah I want to go into that. No, I, I won't spoil that
1: for people. But he's he, the reason his thing is kind of cool is he's looking for a Sentinel because he himself, in a last-ditch effort, I think he why the Sentinel was lost, is he himself is a little drone bot. He's no bigger than, I would say, like a backpack or like a large lunchbox. Mm-hmm. Was the Sentinel in the last-ditch effort to help its pilot downloaded itself into one of the drones and launched itself out of the pod as before its kernel circuit malfunctioned and it got lost, and so you have this little tiny robot that has. He I think he managed to download seventy three percent of his data before he disappeared. Mm-hmm. I think it's what the number they sling at you. So you're it's one of those cool things where he knows all this stuff, but when you ask him a simple question, he's like I don't. know. Mm-hmm. And so you get to learn with him, and it's a cool, uh, it's a cool storytelling device mm-hmm. that they know as much as you do in that particular moment. Yeah. And it's just cool. The more you learn, the more he learns, and then he starts filling in more blank, so you learn more and then thus He learns more, and it's really cool. I do want to ask, uh, I think you and probably have the same one, or
0: same ones, but did you have a favorite character? Uh, it was the, the two, of course, the per- personality-wise, we both loved, uh, was, it Yuki? was it Yuki? Yeah, Yuki Takamiya. Yeah, cause she's the this tough chick that just go goes around laying people out. Oh yeah, and like you know the just no uh, don't don't take crap from nobody. Uh, her story's interesting because she's best friends with the other girl we just talked about, their childhood friends. But she ended up moving away, uh, but she comes back. I forget how she ends up coming back, but she's working with another character that works for the government. Or some sort of government agency, and she's, I forget why she's at the school, she sent to the school to, to investigate, to investigate all the, the other pilots, so she's working for a guy from the future to investigate the pilots, I guess, and make sure all the pilots are there, I don't know exactly well, what her like goal was. It's like a psych-
1: psychological test and stuff to make sure that they're, because the whole thing, they're testing these kids, and, begin like Enders Game style. <laughs> Yeah, game of. style. They're trying to test these kids for their personality and their fitness, and trying to see if their psychological levels, if they can maintain and if they can save the world, mm-hmm. because they need this because the invasion is coming and they need to be ready. Yeah,
0: so she's she's told all that stuff, but uh, but her general interaction with other students and other stuff and her personality, and there's another character who likes in love with her and she's like not having it, and then it's just like there's a whole whole thing that her whole thing that plays out she's just fun to be around and she's in other people's she's stories she's no nonsense yeah no nonsense and she's just she's just she's... not having this crap she's just it's, it's like this, this is all it's it's funny and she's uh, she's great uh, the other character we uh, talk I want to uh, mention for a, he's the guy who's stuck in the, the train time loop I called him Kuwabara I felt bad because he has the pompadour if anybody knows Yu Yu Hakusho the anime Yuhaku Show knows Bar with the pompadour and spirit sword. Get long. The guy has that haircut. I just kept calling him Kuwabara. And he is a he tough. Does, he doesn't even have the personality, really, of Kuwabara. Because Kuwabara was just an idiot. This no, guy. he
1: kind of does. I a mean, little he, bit. He gets in the fights. Like, the, the first times you meet him, he bumps into somebody. He's like, what, you want to fight, bro? Yeah. And you, you know. His
0: character changes a lot, though. Yeah, his character—it's kind of like a, like his story. Like his character starts one way, and he ends up to be a he's kind this of a, kind bully of a, delinquent. He kind of ends up being a different person, which is really interesting. He does have one of my favorite parts early in the game, which is also different for his character. We'll say he's uh, they are um, he ends up helping somebody who's running from the agents, the the government the men agent, in black. the men in black. They call agents who are looking for a student, and they're chasing Actually, somebody. I think it might be the BJ storyline. With yeah, her. they're chasing that, that character. I know this is all confusing. <laughs> they're chasing that character, and it, you're not even in his story. You're in the other character's story. But he run. He shows up, and he uh, and they're, they're like, oh, they say something. And she, the character says something, and he bumps into one of the men in black, and he was like, hey, leave her alone, whatever. And it kind of, it always cuts. It always fades to black when there's violence. So there's like, it it, it, it kind of what, what visual novels do. It fades to black. You are for complicated movements and it, and it fades back in and he's on the ground and the guy men in black he's like whoa i've never seen anybody go down so fast <laughs> which is funny for that dude's character it's it's funny that's early in the game it's funny but like when you do his stuff later he's tough like he's he a he, tough he dude. beats up people bigger than him like there's this other other guy picks up
1: androids and chucks them
0: and stuff yeah and this other gang this other gang from another school that hangs out yeah and he just goes and it's like five dudes, and he just like beats the crap out of them. So it's it's very strange for his character to have that weird funny moment early, but then to go on to be like actually be like a tough dude, a and then be a, like a caring dude. It's like I really li- I liked his story, even during the. uh You get a lot of his stuff in other people's stories because when you play his story, a lot of his a lot of his story is stuck it's in that, that train loop. loop. But you do get a lot of him and a lot of him in other people's stories. It's it's very interesting and complicated, but. Because you don't even get to play his story right away. He's locked behind. I think you get to play his prologue, and then he's locked behind other things. And then when you finally do play as him, because when you play as him, uh, it's the, your first time even seeing that scene. That character, by the way, we, we, we never actually said his name, did we?
1: No. Called, you called him Kubara. Yeah. His name is Ninji Ogata. Yeah. And he ends up having a surprisingly huge impact on the story.
0: Yeah. He's pretty, but so it's so interesting that you see a bunch of him in other people's stories, but then when you finally get to play as him, you're seeing a part you've never seen. You do see characters; you will play somebody's story and see an event, and a character will run up and something will happen, and they'll run off. And you're like, that was weird. And then later, you'll play that person's side, and you'll run up and you'll see why they ran up and where they came from. It's all tied together. And why they didn't but his, stick around? His is strange because when you when you, because you see all the, you see them all over the place, and then when you play as him, you're playing a brand new scene. It's awesome, yeah. Yeah, you're playing You're playing the train loop. I think that scene, uh, now that you think about it, I wonder
1: if he wasn't a bit of a chump, but having gone through that time loop so much kind of hardened him up a little bit emotionally. I mean, maybe. Because he, he does get into a fight in the time loop, and he has to come out a winner if you want the stuff. So I think that may have been how he became a bit more of a tough guy. Because you're repeating the or, same... I remember the
0: men in black guy could just fight. I don't know. Maybe.
1: But when you're repeating the same, roughly like hour, two hours, for days, the train loop's twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it isn't very long. It's at most a half hour. Yeah, I I think about it, and so repeating that over and over again toughened him up. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, probably. I really enjoyed. I did. I did probably. He as a character and character development is probably my favorite. Uh, Yuki's Yuki's just fun. Yuki's just fun. Yeah, I love you. Uh, but he is a character I liked quite a bit his 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 actual his actually full blown story is a really little good. Um. There's one character. I'm trying to think of anybody else. Uh, there's one guy who. Oh God, there's just so many. Well, who who are you trying to think of? Well, there's just too many characters. Well, there's, there's one girl who. We didn't get to the the girl who's talking with the talking cat. Yeah, the magical girl talking to Fluffy the cat. Yeah, she is on a mission, too. And you figure out what she's doing eventually. But he, this this girl, just runs into this, like this talking cat. Yeah. <laughs> this talking cat. And he uh, goes into this elaborate thing of uh, what she needs to do to save the future. And he gives her this magical gun. And she's sent around... Uh, he gives her names, and she's sent sent around all these different places to shoot people with this magical gun to awaken the magic inside them. So yeah, that's what he is. What she's told, but like, as you watching her stuff play out, and she's in other stories too, but you're watching her stuff play out, and you see her in other chapters, and you're like, oh, that's what she's doing. I wonder who she's here. He, but you'll but then you'll play the part where she's walking around looking for somebody else, and then she's running around. She's running around. She's running around shooting folks, for a lot of for her. The, chap- magical for the magical gun. The magical gun. It's very, very strange, but it all—it all means something eventually. I didn't actually like her character.
1: She was. It makes sense. I'm, i am i you know why she was doing it, what she was doing it.
0: I just don't. She doesn't. I feel like when she when she doesn't question the talking cat enough. Well, I think well, why the talking cat? I think
1: but, he unload. Well, he unloads a bunch of knowledge on her and says, "If you do this, I can save the one you love." Yeah. I can make the one you love remember you type thing because he's going to that whole other situation where he's getting his personality overwiped by somebody else
0: yeah there's a whole replacing your personality with somebody else so like she's
1: doing it and the fact that he he knew that and knew so much other stuff about her past and where she was from and she's from another freaking timeline as well time era and so i mean when someone has all that do you question it you I mean, should, but talk, she was so talking
0: cats enough to question. But then he lays on the magical gun, and he calls the the people she has to shoot witches. It's very, and she just got she just goes with it, and she never remember seemed very bright as, really. as a character. She's she's kind of low on my people I care about.
1: Yeah, but like uh, like I said, there's a couple of them. Like eh, you know, I don't hate
0: you, but I'm like, eh, there's just... there's the one girl you play as I think right after Juro, uh. Oh, e. Fusaka. Yeah, I know we're saying names. We're sorry, but you notice that she looks a lot like somebody, an older version of somebody else who's also around the same time she is, mm-hmm. and it's very, very strange. And you kind of come to find out who her, who she is, and who, who the other person is. What sucks about her character is that her teenage version, whatever of herself, is not a very interesting character. Who, who the other who the other version of her is is much more interesting than who she is but you spend all your time running around as the teenage version
1: but you 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 solve a bunch of you uncover a bunch of mystery and character growth i don't think
0: she don't have any real character growth there's there's the teenage version of her and there's the other version that you find out about who's much more important than she is and is change is changing things and doing things so i kind of like i know why you needed her i guess as a teenager but it just doesn't it doesn't help with the the rest of the story, so kind of like her chapters were only interesting because if you were learning other stuff about other people.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, she was also a bridge to two of the other characters. Yeah, kind of, yeah. That one, that one, uh, 426.
0: That prisoner thing?
1: Yeah, the prisoner. She was a huge, to that, because that one character was 426, but then,
0: I don't even remember if they even really figured out who 426... Yeah, 426... Yeah, they, they, a they, specific person, finally? A specific person, yeah. yeah they kept blaming it because there's a bad person running around and they kept thinking it's different people thought different people... Yeah. Different people hear, hear this term Prisoner 426 and they all... Everybody has their own idea of who 426 is. The different characters who end up looking for them you eventually find out who it actually is. You find is. out
1: an original 426. Yeah.
0: So that's a whole other whole plot line happening across multiple characters. Not all 13, but... Multiple characters. Let's say thirteen. There's just thirteen of the main, but then there's the surrounding characters. Yeah,
1: you have all the the sub characters and everything,
0: characters you don't play as.
1: And I, I could, we're not doing a very good job, and we don't want to do a very good. We the most I want to do. I mean, how do you? I want to intrigue you because I could spoil everything. I have names wrote down, on, but you would get lost in the names and some of the the vocabulary they use in the game. And it is the most what I want to get out of this. Is to intrigue you enough that you
0: go play it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, as complicated and as crazy as it is, I think the what was my file 40, 40, 38 or forty hours. Mine was at like forty one, forty two, and that and that's a full uh, completion to platinum. Yeah, and forty hours is a little long, but I mean, for a platinum, that's no. That's, it's not what I mean, and you kind of want to do. You kind of want to do it, like you're. I mean, I'm. So, I was so intrigued. So, um, we need to talk about. The combat side. Yeah, because uh so when you read reviews, we might this might lead us back around, you know, I'm watching the time a little bit 'cause cause this game's large. This the combat side might lead us back around cause we didn't talk about enough to get any more characters you want to talk about. There's just too many characters. The combat might lead back around to that. So when you read reviews for this game, everybody praises the story and the characters and stuff like that. And literally I, I heard some folks talk about it on, on podcasts too. Everybody Hates the combat. They poo on it. Everybody. That. Literally everybody hates the combat. And when I first started it, and you were kind of mad at it too, and you kind of first like, this is kind of lame. It's mm. kind of dumb because uh, of what it is. So the combat itself, I guess, is based in the future, and airbase well, talking. Well, the combat takes place post
1: 100% everyone's story. Yeah, that's also why it locks you out after a certain point in the combat because you have to complete more stories. Yeah, but the actual combat, the 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 destruction storyline or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. is post everyone piloting. Yeah, everyone finishing their hundred percent and getting in their sentinel and piloting.
0: Yeah, and there's
1: dialogue. And meeting there's each other for the first time because like some you're
0: like, some more or less some well not a lot of them know each other. There's a lot of dialogue. Like, uh, in the beginning and the end of like before the combat, after combat, there's a lot of dialogue. I don't think you learn anything.
1: No, but a lot of it is callback, and you're like, oh, oh, okay, I get it. That's a funny little joke, or that's a,
0: like, okay. They reference back to other events, so I don't think you learn anything new. Like you're meant to learn all your story stuff in the story side. So the combat is laid out uh, in the cities, like a map appears, and it's a, it's a city and your characters are indicated your characters are your faces are across the top of the screen we told you they their their pictures fill up like an ATB bar uh, but your characters are represented by little, little arrows that's where Blake got disappointed Is you're not there's no vis, there's no real visual representation of your Sentinels I couldn't tell two sentinels apart you do see Sentinels in the main story and then when you're selecting you're, uh, when you're, uh, is it in the, yeah, when you're even when you're in combat, selecting which weapon to use, or when you're equipping stuff, there's little screens that a pop thumbnail. up,
1: like a little, literally like a, a, like like a thumbnail, thumbnail gif
0: of of art of of a sentinel doing those attacks. But you don't get that when you do the attacks. Your little triangle just shoots a bunch of missiles. Your triangle shoots a laser in that direction. It just seemed kind of like. This isn't where they were focused when it comes to art and making making this a visual kind of a spectacle of what it is. And then the same thing by the dimos themselves. Now the dimos actually have little shapes, weirdly enough. The uh, the big uh, even some of the the one the major dimos have shape. Actually, I don't know. Do all of them have little h- h- helicopters you, and little tanks and yeah, different kind of walking you have things? The, uh, the
1: big barrel drums, and they were you know depending on what version you were fighting, you had like the DX version or the ML version or whatever, and it was blue, red, or gold. And you know, the only ones that were like the the big ones, like anything that had a name, yeah, had it had a, a, a distinct. It wasn't super detailed, but it had a distinct shape, like a barrel or the little flying drones or one of the big manufacturers. Those yeah. were super detailed.
0: I'll say super detailed, but but they were detailed for their sprite compared to yeah, a green pink arrow. So that's what I, I think. A lot of people would say maybe think it was boring. And Blake was like already, like, a couple of combats in. Blake's like, this is just stupid. I don't like this. They, they, didn't, they didn't try hard enough or whatever. And I was like, I did a couple of them. I was like, yeah, I kind of agree. But I'm also kind of enjoying this combat a little bit. The, the more I played, the more I enjoyed it. Well, you start unlocking other weapons and stuff. And it starts getting, the combat starts getting crazier and crazier. I think the combat, the combat improves to a point and kind of. It, it kind of plateaus it, at pla- a point. It plateaus when you have all the weapons and stuff. And you're, and you're really just, it's just. Explosions and fight and like stuff like that. And we do play, and for a, even for the platinum, you could do it higher if you want to, but the for the platinum, you don't have to play combat higher than easy. Yeah, easy all the way you through. You can keep easy the combat and just experience the fun of blowing stuff away. So I think the combat improves. It ends up being you're moving folks around the map and you're moving your folks. You can move, attack, or wait, or defend, actually. I think it is move, attack, defend. And you're attacking, you just select all your. Everybody has to come somewhat. Some, now, now, I wish everybody had more unique. Uh, more unique mechs. Well, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. They're, so when you for free start combat, you do have the the loadout screen, and you're only allowed to take six of your people in at a time. So you select your your six. Is it six?
1: Up to six. Yeah, you can have three, less, three, four, but it's four, four, up to six. Six, two,
0: four, six. I think it is six. You take six. Because you
1: have thirteen, and so it always allows you to have someone on standby, so you yeah. can constantly.
0: So and they do have a. Uh, if they call it but using a sentinel they talk about it in the game there's a whole character dedicated to it it's called mental fatigue mental override so using a sentinel racks your brain so but but they have a cooldown so you have a meter next to a character if you use them and use them in this mission i think by default they could do two missions and then they have to they have to be out of mission to but you can actually increase that stat it's so they have, the, yeah. have the mechs themselves all their weapons. You can upgrade all the mechs' weapon. Buy all the weapons. Upgrade all the weapons. Eventually, you unlock the way to upgrade the mechs, and then you can actually improve the uh, the pilots. I think you know, the pilots improve by level. Okay.
1: Every uh, every fifth level, the pilot earns a new uh, passive, skill. a new passive skill, and they're all they all work together. They're all stackable. Yeah. And randomly, I guess to increase the difficulty, if you want to, so you can turn on and off certain passive
0: abilities for all characters. Yeah. So. A lot of the abilities uh, for the mechs and stuff like that are, are repeat weapons. Nobody, nobody has I can a weapon. A go weapon. into sort of depth on that.
1: The mechs and the generations, if you want me to. Uh,
0: the, oh yeah, the, oh yeah. There is mech generations. Uh, yeah, a little bit. We ain't gonna talk about every. I yeah. don't want to talk about every weapon. If you want to talk no, about. No, no. Talk I'll, about I'll the, do
1: a quick overcap
0: of the generations of. Oh, so
1: there are four gens total. Of the of the mech gen one two, 1 through four simple easy enough. Gen one, which was the first ones they ever made. Uh, were strictly melee and close combat. Particularly, two characters have an amazing move called the Demolisher Blade, which is like this giant buzzsaw the size of a freaking city bus. <sighs> and just the sound design, every time it spooled up, boom, was just a very... The sound effects more than anything. Because you had no real visual. You had your arrow hitting another arrow and knocking the arrow into other arrows, or yeah. little circles. It wasn't visually impressive, But the sound effects really built it up. You give them
0: kudos for the sound design for the mix. The sound
1: design was phenomenal. So Gen 1 were entirely melee. So they could not combat aerial assailants until later when they unlocked the EMP. EMP. You had EMP stunners and EMP surrounds. So like hit them with your hand or you just throw like a little barrier hitting everything around you and knocked out their EMPs. And that would knock down flying enemies and flying manufacturers for you to really, really hurt them. Yeah. Now, Gen 2 are the all-arounders. They were close combat to medium range, with some of them having even long-range attack. Yeah, a couple of missile launchers and stuff like that. So they were mostly, uh, they never had the Demolisher Blade, but they had, like, tackles and punches, and, like, I think one or two of them had, like, a knife. Or like, a, like a big,
0: what oh, was it, a knife? I, I think the, they just punched. I think they had the knuckle knuckle duster and stuff yeah. like
1: that. And so they were kind of like the all-arounders. hmm And then, that's Gen 2, Gen 3 is specifically designed for long range because they were also at the exact same time they were doing those. Part of the story explains that they had miniature Sentinels with another MK1s, MK01s, and they were like half the size of Sentinels, but they were entirely controlled by your Sentinels AI. They were unpiloted little drones that you would send out while you stayed in the back and fired specifically...
0: I don't, I don't I actually don't remember that.
1: They they talk about it very briefly because you come across one that's damaged, hmm. and that's. But the 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 specifically long range, like the the heavy the heavy missile launchers, the heavy rocket launchers, and this is where we ca- talk about having kind of wish it was a little more character specific. And they do sort of make it character specific because all the Gen well, Three well, Yuki, Yuki's not in a punching robot.
0: No. But still, that's the that's the strangest one. And, and she had comments on a, her being in a in a in a uh, smaller. Cause she's in a Gen Four, right? Yeah. She's in a Gen Four, which we'll talk about in a second. Yuki actually complains about being in a Gen Four uh, Sentinel.
1: Yeah, With the the Gen Three is uh, one of their big big finales. They have, they have the, the rail cannon where they sh- basically Iron Man style huge energy in the chest and shoot out this massive beam. Yeah, pretty cool weapon. And so some of them. There was like the Mega Railgun, the Super Railgun, and Dual Railgun, but every I don't think every
0: I don't think all of them had it. Yeah, so they did have different. Some of them did have different uh, mech skills tied to their mech, different passives. which somebody would uh increase the width, somebody so somebody would have like increased the width of the railgun. Uh, the one girl would let would let it fire two times. Boom, boom. You know, it, would, yeah. vroom, vroom, vroom. it was pretty cool. So they did have sometimes, but
1: it wasn't enough skills. character differentiation. Which also, I mean, if they're using the same gin, I sort of get it. But they could have made things. I like, mean,
0: that's what we'll continue to the gym four instead, That's why I say if you if, if there was if there's if somebody gave me art and put all the sentinel of art all in a line, aside from telling you maybe 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 which gin they were maybe. I couldn't tell you gen- I couldn't tell you sentinel numbers. No. There wasn't enough character. Now they, they, I, granted if you're fighting a war and you're building robots, nobody's thinking, like, I gotta make sure we can tell these things apart.
1: Yeah, we're not doing that. They Pacific do it with Ground. no
0: problem. The characters do it with no problem when they walk up and look at one, like, oh, that's number twelve. Like they do it with no I'm problem. I'm sure there's
1: probably like stenciled on the shoulder blade yeah, or something.
0: something. like that. But yeah, anyway.
1: And so Gen four Gen four is strictly Uh, They're the fastest, lightest, sleekest version of the Sentinels. Yeah, they're the ones that fly. Yeah, they have like these cool dual propeller helicopter things, and they are the they get the most range. And frankly, for me, they were the I made unless the game was like ooh sub objective for more points. I I tried to have one or more in every scenario because it's because they cover so much ground. They have this massive missile spray where they just shoot everything out in a direction and then on top of all that you get hers right away but the other ones have to work for it there's a thing called leg spike mm-hmm. which is, she has these massive like blades on their feet and it's goom yeah, and they're devastating yeah, to some of the manufacturers some of the manufacturing enemies yeah and combat was surprisingly simple but also
0: surprisingly customizable once you got everything unlocked I wonder I would never do it but I wonder if the game is actually fairly deep and complicated on, the, on a higher combat difficulty. It might be. I did forget two things.
1: I mentioned the rail cannons, but back in Gen 2s, besides being the all-arounders, they were also the one of the only that could call in add-ons. Like the Gen 3s, oh, the, they could call in the sentry gun and the little decoy guardians that would self, self-destruct. Yeah. They could I, call, I
0: didn't use decoys, but I did use I did The use sentry turns. guns were baller. Yeah.
1: And now, even though Gen Three talks about part of its storyline is controlling AIs, little non-piloted things, they don't get any add-ons, which I thought was super kind of weird. Get, they
0: didn't get the. Uh, they didn't they get. Didn't, the, they got the drone. The little flying drones. Mm, that was
1: Gen Four. Gen Four got drones. They got the flying drones. The the swarms of flying drones. That was Gen Four. Because specifically. A...
2: Huh. Yeah.
1: Well. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they they got the drones.
0: Uh, Rio had it. Or. And then, uh, yeah, Renya. Renya. I was going Rio, Renya. And then even, well, I'm trying to think. Two, yeah. Only two characters had the drones, I think. Yeah. And the other was uh, the rich kid we didn't talk about in the, in the other thing, but he had drones too. He was a Gen 4.
2: Was
1: he a Gen 4? Cause, yeah, because uh, three of the people were Gen 1, three of the people are Gen 2, three of the people are Gen 3, and four of the people are Gen 4. And I believe they are Rinya, Yuki, Shiomaguchi, and Magumi. Magumi. Magumi's mm. the chick that shoots people
0: in the storyline.
1: Y- Yakushiji. <laughs>
0: so I don't think if you if you read reviews for this or or anything like that, and people tell you the combat's horrendous, they are really at its worst. It's kind of boring. I mean, like it's not it's not awful. Uh, upgrading your attacks and buying different weapons and using all these different weapons in these in these combat situations, it's fun sometimes. Like you like, like you're like you start doing, I started to enjoy it throughout. You have you got to do a lot. I think of combat. Uh, ten. It's three three chap three major three or four major things of combat. Uh, three these the sections, but it's ten ten combat ten combats. Yeah. so you end up fighting. You play the whole game. I think. I think you do thirty ones or because there's a final. That final one is epic. Yeah. Because you the, that, the, the robot, the bad guy, send everything they have at you, and it's, that it's, final it's, a, one. it's a huge fight. Yeah. yeah. So there's thirty one combats, and then if you like the combat enough, there's no trophy tied to it. They unlock a fourth or a fifth thing that's infinite. Yeah. It, each each fight just gets progressively harder. And I think I think people have talked about it, it goes up to like a thousand. Yeah, a thousand just, fights. Yeah, you just keep, you just keep. If you like the combat, you keep leveling up. You just keep fighting. There's just, there was just no trophies tied to it for us, so we didn't even, I didn't even dip my toes in it. So, man, I think the combat, if you like it when you first do it, maybe if you like it enough, and you're one of the people who like stuff being hard, up the difficulty to normal or hard, and maybe, maybe turn the combat to something because the combat, uh, plot wise, the combat's supposed to be a losing battle. Yeah, I definitely. I, Laid waste to the combat screens. I mean, it was that's just how it how it was. But I think it it is st- plot wise supposed to be a losing battle, and even sometimes when you're like laying waste to everybody and they they talk like it's not going well sometimes. So it's kind it of mo- at absolute most you have 13 pilots.
1: Mm-hmm. At absolute most, are 13 pilots, and you have machines that
0: they walk they end up having walking walking and in mobile
1: manufacturers that shoot out small things and the whole goal is to break it yeah. and then destroy everything else yeah. cuz it will not every turn it's putting out like 5 4 or 5 little machines or more more. depending on just you know what size i'm getting slobber here
0: that's <laughs> drooling drooling over that combat <laughs> Uh, is there anything more to say about the combat, per se? It's not as bad. I'll, say, I'll repeat myself. I say it's not as bad as if you read reviews. It's really not nowhere near as bad. Everything I read, people are just disgusted by this combat. I'm like, calm yeah, I was, down.
1: I was too, but then I actually played the combat. I was like, this is weak. This is lame. And then I played it. And then getting to play as my favorite characters and go around and legitimately punch a robot to death. To punch it... because because you got to upgrade some of the skills, and you would literally, uh, we'll talk about being uh, Kubara, Ninji Ogata. And he would literally punch somebody. He would use his Demolisher Blade, and he would hit one of the big mechs, and he would hit it so hard that it would fly, but because of the area you cover, you just literally cleared this massive swath in front of you, and everything would fly back and explode. It was just very, very appealing with the, like I said, I cannot praise the sound design enough just made you feel and they,
0: and they, uh, powerful. They 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 uh, they uh they uh they talk and stuff too. He's like, Come and get it. And oh yeah they all have their and they have that. their stupid
1: little one liners that they say. Yeah. He's like, You ain't taking me down, bro Or he's like, Taste
0: this <laughs> yeah, So they had little call outs and stuff they would do and it was it's was just it, that was good, man. I mean, I didn't, they... I didn't... At first, I thought I was going to dread the combat, but I got to a point where you just got to play... Because you do have to play the combat for the story. The story will make you play up to a certain... A character will stop and say, you have to play up to wave t- five. Yeah, wave five of on area, area two. two. So it's, that's right, it was called areas. Wave five of area two, so you got to stop go do combat. And then combat will stop you, too. The combat will it'll t- cap out and say, oh, you got to go experience this plot line. So uh, you have to do the combat to... Uh, complete the game you might as well enjoy it yeah I mean it's I mean I, I think I think it's enjoyable regardless uh so I'm kind of done with combat right there do you want is there any characters you want to go back into before we wrap up uh, really there's a
1: couple of dudes with motorcycles that were cool yeah we didn't talk about
0: that that character.
1: But, yeah, but, yeah. Because I don't, again, because I'm afraid we start talking about and then we start talking about him. And then...
0: I've, so I've covered my only a uh, couple of notes, but I, my, my, one thing uh, I will mention uh, and see if you think, I because think, I, I don't know what music I'll pick, but I, I did write, write down the soundtrack kind of passed me by.
1: Yeah, it wasn't super, like I said, the sound design, fantastic. The actual score
0: of music was just kind of like... Bum, 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 You're kind of just walking around, walking around school you're walking around town and i think it's just it's just it's just background there yeah background music is background music they've never I been
1: think. praised for their music they've always been praised for their it's art, art the, and art like direction art
0: pops so much um i'm sure maybe the combat music you know you i love i love a battle theme but there's no i'm thinking about it right now there's no i can't get a rhythm there's no battle theme popping popping in my head Mm-mm. i do like this is one thing i will mention you know if you sit on the title screen and the music's there's music playing in the background a little bit? Yeah. And you hit start and it it, it, it shoots it's, it's like the music the music cuts in, up. It, cuts cuts into full 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 blast. Which I thought was uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. I kind of got a kick out, almost got to kick out that every time. Cause you see on the title screen, it's kind of panning the screen of the characters. and yeah. You kind of hear music in the background. And you're like, ha, 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 kind of you, you hit start. It's, it's, it's a vocalized, <laughs> it's oh, a vocalized geez. thing, which which probably be the song that I'll play in the beginning of here. But, uh, if I can find it, hopefully I can, but the music in general, like I said, it just kind of flew right over me and nothing jumped out. I mean, I was, I'm wearing a headset and it's still, I just, the music just wasn't, wasn't there. Uh, I'm kind of done talking about too much. I don't yeah. Like, yeah. We didn't talk about all the characters, which is fine. That'll leave people some surprises for characters. We did talk about our favorite characters. A few characters we left out completely. And there's... None of the characters are just awful. Oh, yeah. I mean We said the one yeah. dude with the yeah. food and the... He's still funny, and he serves a purpose. But... Yeah, a couple of funny things, I guess. So we did we leave out some characters. We left some mystery in there for you. Uh, we didn't actually say what's going on. <laughs> the game does wait and kind of tell you near the end kind of exactly what's going on there are hints now there was pretty interesting stuff when we talked about time travel and stuff like that there was a certain point in the game where some stuff happened and I talked to Blake off podcast and I was like cause I think he was a little bit behind me and I was like and I, and I was I ended up being right I was like I don't think the game is pushing this certain thing but people were saying other things that I don't think what the game is pushing is what's happening no not at all, and I ended up actually ended up being right, and I think you kind of you hadn't got kind of got there yet, and you're kind of like well, you know whatever. I think of, we'll see, and when you kind of got there, and I was like you kind of, I kind of think you're right, and I was right that the game, the game is purposely trying to not only to spoil the game. The game is. You can listen to what everybody's saying. There's hints about what's going on and things that don't add up, but you have to listen to what all the characters are saying and what other characters characters will say stuff in the background sometimes. Yeah, you're kind of like that's that's a weird thing they said. You know, then stuff just doesn't 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 add up all the time. But you have to you have to put it, you have to you have to put it all together until yeah. kind of like that part we talked about where the guy just dumps so much his chapter dumps so much exposition. It's like filling in all the gaps. He just kind of lays out uh, what's been going on. But it t- but I had a lot of a lot of it figured out before then anyway.
1: Yeah because yep. like, if you, like, I'm, like, you if you listen, I watch a lot of movies and I I very much enjoy sci fi movies mm. and so like. Some of the stuff is cliche, and if you are familiar with what they're referencing, you're like, "Are they gonna do? it? Ah, they gonna do it? They did it! Not. You know, you can kind of like it's just a. They're basically they're they're not trying to say you're stupid or anything like that. They're like, hey, we know what we're doing, and we hope you're, you're you're along for the ride and that you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um, not particularly about the game. I have one more kind of behind the scenes thing I wanted to
0: talk about. About the about the behind the scenes of this game, or just yeah. behind the scenes of the developer
1: of, well, of what this game caused the developer to do. Okay, because they've apparently every single one of their games they've used the exact same engine, mm-hmm. exact same engine, and it's done its thing. Apparently, with specifically with Aegis Rim with Thirteen Sentinels, um, they had to rethink how they did level designs, how they incorporate depth of field, and this is the first game they ever used a two point five depth of like stuff going on. Like it was, it used to be just be straight T, but this is the oh, first you, time you can walk kind of, yeah, they, they used the two points. F- you
0: could walk up to a character closer to the screen and walk mm-hmm. to a character to the yeah. back. So that was the first time they did 2.5, mm-hmm.
1: okay. 2.5. The, the, what do you call it? 2.5 representation and incorporating certain 3d models in that 2d space.
0: What were 3d models?
1: I'm assuming the Sentinels and stuff like that. Maybe. Cause you do see some of the Sentinels in big, all but their glory. They
0: still look like they're just 2d art though.
1: I don't know. Maybe it, maybe, maybe it just specifically means because you can walk around certain things like a car or a bus station. So maybe like at some of the train stations, like the chairs and stuff, it just says they incorporated certain 3D models in there to allow the 2.5 presentation. Maybe. To be so that things can be walked around and be more depth of field. It also goes on to say that they were forced, not only that was their, their, their gaming graphics engine, they were forced entirely to rebuild their cutscene engine mm-hmm. as well. I didn't say the name of the engine, but they were in, because the original version they had did not allow uh, the showing of character emotion in depth that they wanted, because it was just kind of like, oh no, this have their mouth open. But with this one, you can see subtle changes where people would like cl- clench when, their when,
0: o- when they're talking, their faces are doing things. Yeah, but yeah.
1: apparently, the original engine didn't allow for the the fluidity of the changing of the motions while while, while the conversation was going. It was
0: just kind of like. Yeah, because there's not, there's not cutscenes in this game. The game just, just the game just goes. The game everything's in engine. So there's no, the game doesn't cut away to scenes and ever.
1: I think that's what they wanted because they can do the 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 little thumbnail with the person making a face or having like a raised eyebrow. But this, it just showed fluidity in, ca- in, in, in the character model. Like them, yeah. like, <gasps> like they would transition from which I'm looking for from like basically what would be a still or even a thumbnail but they did it to where the character moved into that position and held it and then would move back to their standard holding position but they did it fluidly yeah, instead car- of just the giving car- you a the character thumbnail.
0: model did, actually did the moving yeah so they, they had to rebuild the rethink and rejigger their I think that's that that rethinking and redesigning is what made it a more it, a more interesting visual novel. the fluidity of the motions and everything the text boxes and pictures and stuff I feel like we, we, we avoid them With all With this,
1: that's the thing of the past. I, it, 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 more visual novels need to learn from them. Because mm-hmm. it's... I mean, I've played a bunch of visual novels, usually for the, hour, quick t, the quick two. TA. You know, just yeah. burr, knock it out. And I'm just, well, Sometimes I just get bored, because it's just... Even yeah. sometimes when they're read to me, because they do that anime... This does it, too, but like where they just reiterate the same thing over and over again. But this does it, too, only... But it makes sense why it needs to do that, because of the story.
0: Like, you mean like... Uh, you're my long lost brother.
1: You mean to tell me that I'm your long lost brother? You mean to tell me that my mother was married to your father at one point in time? That's bonkers. You know we have a sister.
0: Yeah, it's just the it's just... anime tropes, but uh,
1: it does it a little bit, but also because it needs to. Like every time you get it, and that's also entirely you if you're going through the thought cloud. If you're not going through the thought clouds.
0: The Thought Cloud to, takes that away. I think the Thought Cloud would be the reiteration that you can choose, choose to do yourself. I don't yeah, think the game itself does it. Not usually. I don't think yeah. it does. Anyway. um, it's it's, think, it's it's a visual novel that me and Blake, and you've heard us talk about in the pocket, it's a visual novel that we played through, not only to completion, but Platinum, the game. The Platinum's pretty straightforward. There's very few things you have to go out of your way to Platinum. There is a trophy for... Uh, eating all the different foods.
1: Yeah, under one of the characters, uh, make sure
0: you pick every food. Yeah, you can. You can replay the chapter, and you pick each each of the. She's like, "Which food? We, which food should we go get today?" And you got if you pick, and there's multiple chapters, and then, I think there's four different kinds of food, or five, mm-hmm. four, pick we'll four or it's five. Two choices and two two choices again later, and then a in the final game. choice. So make sure you eat all the food, and, you, and you'll pop that trophy. There's a trophy for uh, killing so many enemies in a single attack. Easy, you're gonna. It, uh, that's, that's, easy. That's going to happen. Uh, everything else is getting. Uh, you know, if you scroll to the trophies, it's get this character's prologue. So you got 13 prologs. Get this character to 50%. 50%. 13 times. Get a character to 100%. 13 times. You know, it's it's pretty pretty straightforward. And then it's
1: beat uh, area one combat, area two combat, area three, and then yeah. beat the. Uh,
0: it will say um, complete all the combats at S rank. If you're playing on easy, no problem. I don't think. I think you had to.
1: Repeat, I did go back repeat. and do like two of them, only because. I had been playing through the game and one of the fights was like 90% aerial and I went into a fight with my people who weren't hurt. Who weren't aerial? Yeah. Uh, like of the six, I think two were aerial. Everyone else was like, oh, uh, uh, and I didn't. You hadn't really planned that e- EMP stuff. Well, because I was going for unlocking all the um, the terminal abilities first, I hadn't bought EMP and stuff for the yeah, character. Yeah, so I, th-
0: I, th- I can't 100% guarantee but I think I asked straight through. I don't, Excuse oh, geez. most of it. on easy. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think I had to. Dang, I keep hiccuping. I don't think I had to replay anything. I think I asked sh- straight through. So, which was, which was, which well, you
1: were also from the get go because depending on if you, as long as you don't hold on, words, 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 words. Because if your characters get too hurt, and you don't have enough people to combat. You can reset them, and it resets everyone back to having zero. But it also resets never, your
0: score. Score multiplier. Because yeah. you have
1: a score multiplier that goes through the games, and you never. Re- I read. I. I Early on, not knowing what to do, I reset mine once yeah, or twice because I, I wanted to use I certain I played through characters. the
0: entire game and it never reset. Mm, so, I, thought, yeah. I thought the game was going to make me at some point, but I played through the entire game. The score multiplier just gives you a score, and the score kind of converts into how much meta chips you get, and meta chips are how you upgrade your your mechs and stuff. And also, it's interesting, you actually get meta chips for completing uh, storylines, too. So you to kind of you, you you accumulate a crap load of meta chips in the story. Yeah take them over to the combat and you're able to upgrade your mechs with all these meta chips and stuff like that. So it's pretty, and, it, all, it all kind of comes yeah. around together. And the fact that
1: it does force you to use every character. So all your characters should be leveling up and they should be at a semi similar rate.
0: I would always, when I was choosing my characters, this is something I did when I was choosing Pick the my person with the lowest level. That's yeah. the same thing I did. Exact yeah, exactly. Same the same. So they would level up just in case, even if they, as long as they, they but they have to participate. If you take somebody into combat, uh, and you don't, and you kind of forget to, because you can forget there's six characters. You can forget some, because it, it, uh, it'll, your cursor will, somebody fills up, it'll, 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 your cursor will ping to them. You can get in situations where these other people are moving so fast that one of your characters, I've had somebody that I accidentally never used, and they got zero experience because I just didn't. The yeah. combat went so fast, because you can actually hit the left around the D-pad or whatever your analog stick to cycle through your characters whose ATBs are full. But if you don't do that and you just Keep I did a game token. Whoever popped up, I just kept using. I was like, cool. And then I was laying waste, and somebody I, somebody just didn't get used. So it was an accident, and they got yeah. zero experience. You got to make sure they participate. It's not they
1: didn't get used. It's like, I went into a fight, one character jumped like four or five levels, and it got like a new. I was like, heck yeah. And because it, it shows them all level up at once, and it was like, level up, level up, level up. And this one character went, and got like a half a level. I'm like, Everyone just jumped from 12 to, like, 16 or 17, and you stayed on 12. Okay. <laughs> my bad. So I made I went out of my way to make sure I was using everybody. Even if it was, like, yeah. the f- combat would be over faster if I just switched over to one of the, f- the flyers. I would just like, oh, yeah, let me, at the very least, let me have this character throw out a sentry gun. Let me, And I would move them, or I'd try to shoot with them, at t- so at least they would kill an enemy or something.
0: Everybody's deadly, though.
1: Oh, yeah. But sometimes, like, you know... You forget to use them. Well, because the thing is, you have the deadly close combat guy with the demolisher blades, and their their cones are pretty small. Their cones of damage or range. Mm-hmm. And then you could have a flight guy, and you could It would take one turn or two turns for this guy to jump and punch. Or I could have my flight guy fly over there and just destroy everything and then summon one hit. Yeah. And so I had to, like... I would prioritize and make sure that I... If I, if I had a flight guy, a uh, Gen 4 and a Gen 1... I made sure Gen Four went in the opposite direction, yes. so he would like cool. Yeah, he'll 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 get more experience, and he'll wipe out you know this half of the field while these rest of the people would focus on over here and try to you, make. You kind of had to separate them if you wanted them to get their equal. Because I equal. wanted them to level up and be equal. By the end of the game, everyone, yeah. I made sure they were all hit. They all hit because you go. I don't know what level you max out on, but you stop gaining passive abilities on thirty. Yeah. So I made everyone had their all, all their.
0: Not all my characters got their. 30 but I, I mean
1: I went out of my way to make sure because I had to go back and replay one yeah. or two of them to get my S ranks.
0: anything Whew. else in that, that trophy thing led into a whole other thing yeah um,
1: great game go play
0: it Um. yeah this was a this was a actually a game fly game for us but it doesn't apply to a game fly episode because actually we, we played it all the way through yeah. um, that's all I've got I think it's a, a fantastic game it's not for everybody some people are gonna, are gonna are gonna are going to walk around one chapter and be like I hate this this is all you do is walk around and talk to folks you got you got to be invested you got to get if you're you know you know the kind of person you are if you're gonna get invested in these characters you'll know within the first couple of prologues of because you play all the prologues first it unlocks all the prologues I do have one thing I like to talk about just one last thing it has nothing to do
1: with the game it's specifically the title
0: mm-hmm. all that yeah all we talk about the title the kind, fact
1: that the it is a mess it's called 13 sentinels makes perfect sense you got 13 pilots 30 sentinels to save the world and then it's called aegis rim now the aegis doesn't even come into focus until you start doing combat because the aegis is the a, a protocol that sends out a massive emp that the enemies are trying to infiltrate because if they get the hold of the aegis they can reboot the and destroy the planet or whatever yeah very confusing but the fact that it was called 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim—that's a mouthful—and the title sounds cool, but it has nothing to do with anything.
2: Yeah. And see. I
1: honestly think the only reason they did the Aegis Rim part is because of Pacific Rim in the last couple of years, and that sounds really cool. Yeah.
0: The rim has nothing to do with anything. Oh
1: yeah, cool. The Aegis uh mechanic is circular, so it has a rim, I guess. But yeah. yeah. I, I found I wanted to, I wanted to bring that little bit up just because I thought I was like. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. Whatever. It sounds cool. That's the only reason they used yeah, it. The name.
0: The name's a little generic. It's but yeah, generic and kind of on the point and kind of nonsensical all at the same time.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to do that last little tidbit, but I'm ready to move on.
0: Yep. Well, I say play it. I liked it a lot. Definitely. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'm gonna do, real quick, and I'll do this quick because of the time of the episode, is uh, I'm gonna do a, a band. Uh, like i normally do on, on my episodes i'm gonna do an older band who's not really active anymore they've put out or i've seen some they put out two songs in 2019 and two songs in 2020 but there's a little it's like it's like they're like sort of singles but there's a little tag on them called the it says like the archives wb wb archives so i guess they were on the wb music label it's, it, I think it's just unreleased tracks, but I don't know if this is WB just cycling through things or if the band asked to put out unreleased tracks. I don't know. So I don't know sure how, how that works. I don't know either. i seen they did it for Clutch too. i seen Clutch has some WB stuff, but Clutch also has their own label these days. We talk about Clutch on the podcast. Clutch has their own label, but did WB have some songs in their archives just put them out? I'm sure they had to ask Clutch about it, but yeah. But I don't know. It's very strange. But I haven't. I didn't really. I should have looked into it more before I got into the podcast about them to see if they're trying to actively do anything right now. But this is an older older band now called uh, Taproot. You probably, uh, if anything, you know them from one of two songs. Uh, there's a song on their first album. I think it's their first album called uh, "Poem." Poem. Poem, poem, poem. I, how do you want it? How do I say? It? Why can, why, why can my Why can my brain not wrap my head around the word poem? I can't say it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> my brain's fumbling over the word poem. What,
1: what do people who say poetry? What do they write?
0: Poems, <laughs> poems, poem, poem. Fish. Wow, my brain has struggled with that word. A song that's called that song. I, I looked earlier has like forty-eight or something like some million plays on Spotify. Their second one, which I thought was their more. Maybe commercial, commercially successful like radio single. Successful. And this word I can say, is a song called "Calling." Uh, I thought you that said pe- it wrong. Calling? No, I didn't. It's c- 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 calling. <laughs> yeah, that's the chorus. Yeah, that's the chorus. Yeah. Well, I was hoping you'd stutter on it. No, there's probably plenty of that throughout the podcast. But that song only had like four million plays on Spotify, and I was like, "There's a huge difference between the first one I said because I can't say it." And "Calling" is Call a huge. Is a huge difference in plays, so but because uh, Calling is on one of their more uh, I'll say radio, more radio friendly kind of albums. Uh, I didn't pick either one of those songs, uh, because I, I try to avoid singles as best I can. Sometimes singles are just so dang good, that's why reason, they pick there's them. There's a reason there's a single, a single. Uh, I, so uh, there's the first album, and then Calling is from uh, Blue Sky Research, which is their third album, so they kind of had. Two two albums first, which are just he- to me they're just heavier, just rock kind of uh, that new metal kind of thing that was happening in the early late years. '90s, early 2000s, and then uh, Blue Sky Research comes, and you can kind of tell Blue Sky Research is still a very good album, but you can tell there was a there was a different influence there that kind of made them write the way they the way songs are just made for the radio sometimes and calling is really the only single. And you can tell when you listen to calling, you're like a producer or a label was like, Hey man, y'all got to put a single on this album. You got to, now, I still like the song calling. I don't, don't talk too much trash about it, but it's clearly what it is. And I, I don't know. I don't know if they kept the same label, but the album I chose from is this, from the album following this. I think you said it's your favorite album, the album called plead the fifth. Uh, and they have one more album after that called the Ep- the episodes, and then they dropped off the freaking face of the earth. That's like a 2013 album or something like that, I think. And they just kind of dropped yeah. off the face of the earth until all these this 2019 2020 songs. So I don't know what the band's doing. I should have looked into it more. I Already said that, uh, but I picked um, the first song actually because when we first me and Blake had followed Taproot for years already back in the day, and we were we were we bought Plead the Fifth. Wait, about the CD? I don't, know if you, I don't know if any of you listeners know what CDs are. There's these plastic discs were used to put into machines called CD players, and lasers would shoot the discs and turn it, It with magic or science, would turn it into music. I know it's weird, but it used to happen. You used to buy these discs. So I bought the, the disc, <laughs> or physical media, of Plead the Fifth, and the first song you listen to on uh, Plead the Fifth, this is like, it's just, it's just, it's just bam right away. And I feel like they put that song there on purpose following the, and I'm sure they love their, cause Blue Sky Research." I Say It Again is a great, I love it. I mean, I, I've been, I've been streaming the, I've been listening to these guys all week, all week about, and at work and stuff. And I was like, God, all this is so good. It's what kind of made me pick, pick the, pick the band this week. But I feel like, in a lot of Plead the Fifth, but initially that first song was just like, we're we're going to go back to how we used to sound. You know, so I don't know, I don't know if they changed labels, I don't know what changed, but that first, the, the, the song is called, well, the song I want to play is called uh, Now Rise, and it just goes right into it, and it hits things hard, and it it sounds great. I feel like, Without knowing the band, I feel like that was just their, their way of saying, we're going back to what, what, we, what we wanted to do, how we originally wanted to sound. You know, uh, I don't know if you agree, you think about... Yeah, I think
1: so. But then I, um, I'm... I'm my, my least favorites are new,
0: the newer one, the Episodes. Episodes album is, is definitely my least favorite. Episodes... I don't know what it is about the Episodes. The Episodes album is just strange. They kind of, they kind of, they're still good songs on there, but like, none of the songs jump out at me on the episodes. I, I don't know what was, I don't know if they just, hey, hey I don't want to say they just phoned an album in, but, you know, what? Well, one of the
1: things I, I kind of remember, we, we knew, we know this, and you know this in your head, but the person who got them
0: started
2: hmm.
0: was Fred Durst. Oh, that's a, I, I know the Fred Durst band, mm-hmm. yeah. If anybody, knows, if anybody knows who Fred Durst is, it's Lent Biscuit, of course. He's a notorious kind of a D-bag, but he did have some pull in the, like I said, the 90s and the early 2000s. He had some pull, and he got a lot of bands off the ground just by his name. And I don't, I, I sort of understand, but don't understand it because he's not very, people just don't like Fred Durst. This is how much of a, I'm a, of a bit of a D-bag he is. I'm
1: looking a bit into it. Mm-hmm. It says, in 97, they sent a demo to him. He loved it, and he orchestrated them to get a deal with a, a company called Interscope Records. However, through extended negotiations, they ended up not going with them and ended up getting a better, a more lucrative record deal at Atlantic Records. Fred Durst then called the lead singer and cussed him out bad on his answering machine and also ended up blaming... Uh, Serge Tankian from System of a Down because apparently Serge Tankian or said specifically System of a Down helped orchestrate their deal with Atlantic Records yeah. and because of that Fred Durst to kick System of a Down off of the 1999 uh, Family Values Tour. That's funny. That's how much of a, like, a petty and of a, a jerk bag he is. I guess, yeah, not a, only a, did he kick them off his tackle was on it too he kicked them off as well and put, brought in other
0: people for the 1999 Family Values Tour. Because of that. Because yeah, they, they didn't do exactly what I mean. Yeah. He's right and wrong at the same time. They did go up behind his back. After he helped, they did kind of go behind his back and do a different thing.
1: And then verbatim, uh, his message transcribed on their Wikipedia page. The message left by Fred Durst on the answering machine. Yeah, we ain't got to go
0: into yeah. all that. But, uh, that's, okay. yeah, but Fred, Fred Durst is known to be a, a, a bit of a prick. Yeah. Uh and he started. He did start a lot of bands back, and they gave a lot of bands a little footing. Which, which is funny now because nobody gives a crap about Limp Biscuit these days. No, Limp Biscuit is a little bit of a guilty pleasure for me because does. He's he's a really really bad rapper, but his it's... rap metal's fun sometimes. He's he's this his rhymes are just, whew, they're rough to listen to sometimes. But I, it, I it's probably one of my bigger guilty pleasure bands. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, I hope Taproot is gearing up to maybe do something. I need to look them up some more. I hope maybe they're gearing up to have a comeback. We've had a lot of bands recently that vanished off the face of the earth, and I keep I keep bringing them up on here sometimes, and they just, you know, five, seven, ten years later, like, oh yeah, we're we're back doing more music. Uh, like uh, I haven't mentioned oh. them yet on the podcast, but we we did a whole thing. We uh, like Stained is back, which is also ironically another band that was started by Fred Durst. He helped him get started. We did a, uh, I paid, we paid, we bought a little live stream, whatever tickets to, we watched uh, Stain perform Break the Cycle in its entirety and cool stuff like that. And Stain, who hasn't done anything in a a decade, probably is now uh, headlining a bunch of festivals and I'm fingers crossed for new music from Stain. So it's because a band's gone, you know, always don't mean they don't come back. I always mention it. When When I get into these little fits right here, I always mention the first band on the podcast, Fair to Middle, and fingers crossed that maybe Fair to Middle will have some semblance of a return at some point even though I they pray. even though they were they were bankrupt but uh maybe taproot's coming back maybe not uh they have we've mentioned them all they have five albums total uh all good episodes maybe less so but of course how the universe works somewhere out there episodes is somebody's favorite taproot album i don't know depends on how your style of music i prefer maybe the new metal side of the first two albums are more of the kind of heavier stuff that i like to listen to and then uh when you listen to it all together if you just shuffle it on spotify and you kind of throw it all together it it all kind of works Uh, me i was always listening and i'd hear a song i didn't know every time i heard a song i didn't know it was always a song from the episodes yeah i was like this is weird but it's okay but uh that's all i have to say because i want to wrap this bad boy up uh after i'll say bye here I think you forgot to mention uh your story on the intro oh I think you mentioned I did. everything else but we're going to keep pushing it forever Blake did publish a story on the uh, Amazon Kindle uh I will have a uh, link to it in the show notes or you can just go search they come this night he forgot to mention it or he just refuses to promote himself sometimes so that's on Amazon uh that's all I really have thanks for listening uh we were, you know we were actually kind of looking forward to this episode because we really enjoyed this game. So hope we didn't confuse you too much and then have a bunch of bad time travel jokes in there. Um, I'm going to play after Blake says his little piece here. Uh, you'll be hearing uh, "Now Rise" by Taproot from their fourth album, fourth album "Plead the fifth. Uh, I want to wish everybody
1: a good evening and good night. Defend yourself